If you didn't get dismissed with the children, that means you're an adult. It's bad news. Get your Bible out this morning. Galatians 5, we've been preaching about the fruits of the Spirit. First service, I read the entire text. I'm just going to read verse 18 through uh, about 25. Galatians 5 contains the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And there's a, a clash in us between those two things. How many have some flesh to deal with still? Amen. Let me raise two hands so my wife doesn't say I'm lying. But uh, the flesh comes easy because it's natural. It's our default setting. It's our, it's our homepage. But the fruit of the Spirit is worked in us by the Holy Spirit. And our hope is as we do this study is to make us aware of the fruits of the Spirit so we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit working them in us. Amen? How many know when you know what, the, what you're what trying to be accomplished, when you know what the drill is, sometimes you can be more productive and cooperative? Amen? Galatians 5, starting in verse 18. Father, we thank you for the word today. Open it up to us by your Holy Spirit and allow these fruits of the Spirit to be evident in your people. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds or the desires of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. We're going to get to that. That's important. Now those who belong to Christ, this is important too, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. So we looked at some of these already. We looked at love and did two sessions on it. Why? Because love is the foundation of all the fruits of the Spirit. Can't be kind without love. Can't have joy without love. Can't be gentle without love. So realize love is something that all of us should wake up every day trying to be uh, taught by the Holy Spirit how to be more loving in every situation. More loving with our spouse, our children, our neighbors, our co-workers. Love is the foundation. Uh, We looked at joy and peace and patience. Uh, This week, we're going to group three together because I I believe they fit together. They work together in a category. We're going to look at kindness, goodness, and gentleness. Kindness, goodness, and gentleness. These three fruits of the Spirit, if you did a study on each of them, you'd find a lot of overlap because I believe they work together in, kind, in concert. We are to be kind, good, and gentle as a, as a character trait. Amen? So I, let me give you a little explanation here. Kindness and gentleness are fruits of the Spirit that I see specifically aimed at how we interact with our fellow man. Now, when we take a look at... Uh, we got kindness, goodness. When we, when we take a look at uh, goodness, we can relate our goodness to God and reflecting his goodness, and we can also relate it to man. But 
kindness and gentleness, that's just for man. And here's why. Because you, don't, you and I don't approach God in the sense where we do specific things as gestures to be kind to God. God's much more above us. He doesn't need anything from us, amen? God's not up in heaven sweating this morning going, I wish my people would be kind to me. No, he's God. He needs nothing from us, yet he desires relationship with us. So the kindness that we express needs to be directed towards our fellow man, towards our brothers and sisters in Christ, towards the lost. And it's how we approach our, our lives as Christian to be kind, but it's not to God in the sense that, you know, we can somehow, some way, uh, you know, be kind to him and he's waiting for that. Neither can we approach God with gentleness in the sense where, you know, if I'm too rough on God, I might damage him because he's frail. Are you getting this? You know, like I was really gentle with God the other day. I let him down easy. Some of you need to smile this morning. Because that's not the way we approach God. God is not fragile or frail. He's not, you know, it's not like our insensitivity or our harsh words or our bluntness can somehow make him come unglued. He's God. He knows everything. Even before we open our mouths or express, he knows the contents of our heart. So that gentleness is directed towards our fellow man. And so is kindness. Now, the last one that we look at, goodness, that can be expressed towards God and man. I see that us as Christians, when we do the right things according to what God is working in us, we reflect his goodness to the world. Do you like being around people who are good to you? You know, you could probably list some people who are really good to you. They're always for you. They're always encouraging for you. And when you're in trouble or when you're hurting, you go to the people who are good to you. There's some people who are not for you, who are not good to you or good for you. And so goodness is something we can direct towards God in reflecting his divine attribute of goodness. Also, we need to be good to one another. We need to be good people. Amen. Anybody trying to raise good children? Amen. You, you want them to turn out godly, right? You don't want people to look at them and say, they were raised by wolves. Where did they come from? No, goodness applies to both God and us, but kindness and gentleness is expressed at our fellow man. Now, it takes the working of the Holy Spirit to express all of these three fruits of the Spirit. Remember, I see them as a package, kindness, goodness, gentleness. That should define our character. It takes the working of the Holy Spirit for us to express them in a consistent, unbiased way. Now, if you're taking notes today, those are two important words. Why? Because we need consistency in how we, we display the fruits of the Spirit. You can't be kind one day and a miserable sod the next day. You can't be good one moment and just nasty rotten the next moment. That's confusing. When we act like that as Christians, we confuse the world. Then You know, they're, they're thinking, well, what kind of mood are they going to be in today? Are they going to be grouchy, vindictive, judgmental, or are they going to be kind and gentle like Jesus? So we, we do need consistency, and that only comes by the Holy Spirit, and we need to exercise these fruits of the Spirit in an unbiased way. What do I mean by that? Well, we can't just be good to some people and not good to other people, or kind to the people that we like and mean to the people we don't like. See, we need to express the fruits of the Spirit in an unbiased way. And I want you to catch hold of those two things. Why? Because when we catch ourselves being kind to one and not kind to another, 
we know the duplicity of that. It's confusing to the world who looks at it and say, well, are you kind? Are you good? Are you gentle or not? Goodness is the first fruit of the Spirit we're going to look at. We're going to go a little bit out of order. They're listed in the text, kindness, goodness, and gentleness. But kindness is built off of goodness, and so I'm going to look at uh, I'm going to look at goodness first. If we go to the Greek on this one to get an understanding of the definition of the word goodness here, the Greek is agathsune, agathsune, and this is what it means, an expression of benevolence that profits and benefits others. Listen to that. An expression of benevolence that what? It doesn't just benefit us, it benefits others. So goodness is others-centered. You know, a lot of times people say, well, I've been really good to myself. I've pampered myself. I've stuffed myself full of all my favorite food. I even went out and bought myself a present. Anybody like that? Don't raise your hand. But you know, a lot of times we're really good to ourselves. But that's not really goodness. It's kind of vanity. Why? Because goodness, by definition, should be expressed to others. <laughs> Most of us are pretty good to ourselves. We cut ourselves a break. We give ourselves slack. We take our day off. But goodness is to be expressed towards others, towards our fellow man. And that's what I want to focus on. When we look at the fruits of the Spirit here, they're by the working of the Holy Spirit on the inside. They work from the inside out. And goodness is an internal quality. It's developed inside us as we develop a relationship with God. The closer we get to God, the more his goodness will flow through us. But without God, we don't have any goodness to flow out of us. Because uh, as the scripture says, in my flesh, no good thing dwells. We're going to explore that a little bit. But, you know, goodness is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's an internal quality that's developed as we spend time with God. If we don't spend time with God or we don't make our peace with God or we don't know God, then we don't have the goodness of God to flow out of us. And I want to ask you something. Have you ever met a person that was trying real hard to seem good, but immediately you could discern it was an act? Come on, you know the actors, the fakers? Oh, how are you today? With that plastic sprayed on smile. And like, I don't know about you, but I have discernment. I, I mean, we're, we're New Yorkers here, right? And, and usually you can be like, what? And you're like, you know, that, that was fake. Anybody got a good fake detector? Yeah. It's called discernment. I mean, you know, if you're from the city, you can see three blocks down. Here they come. Look, look at this show here, right? And, and you know, it's, 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 they call it street smarts. It's discernment. And you and I can pick up fake people, or we should. In fact, I want to just talk a minute about 10 marks of fake people. And this is something you need to tuck into your heart so that you can spot them. Why? Because we need to spot them. We need to know who's coming at us with what, because you're going to see the marks of a fake person make them dangerous to the person who doesn't discern that they're fake. Fake people only respect those who have power and wealth. Fake people will manipulate others to get what they want. Fake people love superficial attention. Boy, we live in a superficial generation. And if you go on social media, it's amazing how much attention some people need. 
posting this and posting that, and this is what I ate for breakfast, and here's a picture of myself. And Come on. That's a sign of a fake person. A fake person loves superficial attention. They always talk themselves up, never show their weaknesses. They just talk about their good qualities. Fake people love to gossip. Fake people struggle to keep promises they've made. Fake people make other people look bad so they can feel better about themselves. Come on, do you know some fake people? Fake people are only nice when they need something from you. Fake people tend to be very arrogant and entitled. We don't have any of that in our culture. Fake people never own their mistakes. Ten marks of fake people. People try to act a certain way, but it is an act. They try to seem good, but without God, there is no goodness in us. In fact, being good for us is a bit of a dicey proposition. Most of us, before we would, were saved, would describe ourselves as a good person. How many remember that? I was a good person. Anybody? Yeah, just three people. Praise God. You know, and we're out there, well, I'm a good person. I haven't done this and I haven't done that, only to realize that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. I was lost. You remember that day when you discovered that? Uh-oh. I'm not so good. I was going to the good section of hell, you know. <laughs> Ouch. So in and of ourselves, being good, uh, intrinsically good, is a dicey proposition. Why? Because none of us are good without God. In fact, Jesus put it this way in Mark 10, 17 through 18. He's speaking to a man. He says he was starting out on a journey. Listen, and a man ran up to him. Notice the, the intensity. He ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus doesn't, you know, give him the Romans road or lead him in the sinner's prayer. This is his response. But Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Wow. That should shake us up a little bit. All, all the I'm a good person crowd. Jesus said no one's good except for God. Now, it was kind of like a, a double meaning there. He's trying to say to him, are you trying to recognize my divinity? Do you realize who I am, that I am God with you? I'm standing in front of you? Or are you just trying to butter me up to get something you want from me? Notice he runs up to him. He bows down before him. Oh, good teacher. Fake people. Understand that in us, in our flesh, the scripture says, no good thing dwells. For some of us, it's hard to admit that without God, we're not good. But that's the truth of the scripture. It's exactly what Jesus says here. Unless we're God, we're not good because no one is good except God alone. Yes, we're made in God's image. And uh, inherently, we have, you know, the, the, the stamp and the fingerprints of God on us because we're made in his image. But we've also inherited a sinful nature. And we've got to have that dealt with before the goodness of God could flow through us as a fruit of the Spirit. So it's by relationship. Having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ allows the goodness of God, a divine attribute of his, to come into us and to flow through us. You know, so many times we try to be good and we try to do better, but really the point of the drill is just to humble ourselves and say, God, I need your goodness to be worked in me by your Holy Spirit. 
because in me there's no good thing. So you and I have the potential to reflect the goodness of God. See, that's all it is when we're good to others, when, when we are ministering to others in a way that's profitable and beneficial to them, when it's not all about us, when we're not being fake people, we're being genuine believers in Christ, when that goodness is flowing through us, that is us reflecting the character of God. And that pleases the Father. It pleases the Father to see his children be good to others. In reality, it's only by relationship with him that we allow his goodness to flow through us. Without God, we're just no good. Let's move on today to the second fruit of the spirit we're looking at in this category, and let's look at kindness. Remember, I went out of order. Kindness appears first in the text, but we looked at goodness. Why? Because kindness is actually built off of goodness. When we have love and then we we allow the goodness of God to come into us, we can actually be kind to others. The Greek word there is kresothes, and it means Goodness, excellence, and uprightness, but listen, like this, in a useful, well-fitting way. Kindness is giving someone what they need at the right time in a well-fitting way. If someone needs a listening ear, we listen. If someone needs a shoulder to cry on, we, we let our... If someone needs help, we help them. Are you getting that? It's kindness. It's fitting. It's what they need at the moment. Did you ever have somebody give you something that you don't need? And you're like, thanks. You know, and you give somebody that they can't use or they don't want or they don't need. And, you know, well, it's the thought that counts, not when it comes to showing kindness as the fruit of the spirit. You show up to the rabbi's house and you bring a pork chop. That's the wrong thing to do. It's wrong. Thank you, right? Thank you. Oh, Ty. So it's well-fitting. It's applied in a useful way. It's goodness, excellence, and uprightness. Goodness is expressed in our moral excellence, how we live, how we honor the Lord, how we obey the commandments of Jesus. See, in our moral excellence, when we live and we're honest and we're holy and we we are filled with the righteousness of God, uh, that is us being kind. Why? Because we're providing a model for others of how to live. As a young man, I remember looking around at people and uh, just getting into the ministry. I was in my 20s, and, and it was a time where, in a season where churches were falling and pastors were being exposed and there was immorality in the church. Anyone been saved? If you were saved during that time, raise your hand. Come on, help me out a little bit, all you old people, praise God. <laughs> so as a young man, I'm looking around, and I'm going into the ministry, Pastor Mike, and I'm watching this ministry fall and this ministry fall and this pastor get exposed from around. I'm like, is anybody doing it right? And I remember asking a mentor, is anybody doing it right? And they didn't answer because <laughs> I found out they weren't doing it right either. And it was a tough place to be. Why? Because you and I all need an example of someone who's doing it right. It's an act of kindness when we allow the Holy Spirit to restrain us and shape us and mold us into the image of Christ because we become an example for those around us. Kindness is actually an outward expression. It's an internal thing going on, but we express it in a way that practically meets the practical needs of others. Remember, love is the foundation. 
So when we begin at love, we allow his goodness to take root in us. And when the goodness of God takes root in us, the kindness of God can flow through us. Let me say this about kindness. Some of you are going to like this. It's free. <laughs> kindness is free. You mean, what are you talking about? You, you get it on Amazon, they ship it free, you got Prime. No, it's free, meaning it doesn't cost us anything to be kind to others. Amen. It doesn't cost us anything. How cheap are we if we refuse to be kind and it's free? Yet when we're kind to another person, it doesn't cost us anything. In fact, being kind to others is actually a blessing to us too as well. Did you ever just extend mercy to someone? You were gracious to someone. Maybe they looked grumpy and you just smiled at them. And lo and behold, they smiled back. Now the two of you are sitting there smiling at each other. You don't even know one another. But that little act of kindness was a blessing. And what did it cost? Not a thing. It's free, amen. Well, I had to humble my pride. Well, I was in a bad mood. Well, I had a lot on my mind. Well, cut that out. You and I are supposed to be salt and light. Be kind to others. It's absolutely free. It honors God. It blesses God, and it's a blessing to us. Even when you're kind to others and they're not kind back, it honors God, amen, and it pleases the Father. You know, God sees every act of kindness his children do, and he says he'll reward every act of kindness. Listen to Matthew 10, 42. Whoever gives, Jesus speaking, whoever gives one of these little ones just a cup of cold water to drink in the name of a disciple, truly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Every little gesture of kindness the Lord sees. See, don't get tricked into thinking, well, nobody knows, nobody sees, nobody cares, there's no payoff, you know. We get, the, we get this bad attitude. I've been nice to everybody and look how they treat me. Come on. It got real because everybody just went. <laughs> but the thing is, God sees. God notices. And God's keeping score. And he says, not, I, you're not going to miss out on your reward of one of those acts of kindness. Not only does us being kind bring the favor of the Lord and the blessing of God, but listen, it brings the favor of man upon us too. And when we're unkind, it always costs us something. I want to tell you a story about President William McKinley. When he was president, he had to make a decision of who to appoint to an ambassadorship to a foreign country. And there were two candidates, and they were both equally qualified, so the decision was hard. While McKinley was still a congressman, he had observed an unkind action done by one of the men he was now considering to be an ambassador. McKinley once boarded a streetcar at rush hour, and he got the last seat on the streetcar. An elderly woman came on next carrying a heavy bag of clothes, a clothes basket. No one offered her their seat. She stood in the middle of the aisle, hardly able to keep her balance as the streetcar swayed back and forth. One of the two men McKinley would later consider for the job of ambassador was sitting right next to the old woman, and instead of giving up his seat and helping her, he deliberately shifted his newspaper to make it appear as if he hadn't seen her. When McKinley noticed what the man had done, he got up from his seat, walked down the aisle, took the woman's clothes basket, brought it back, and sat her in his seat. The man 
didn't think anyone had noticed his act of unkindness, but that one act of selfishness would later deprive him of the crowning achievement of his political career. Wow. People notice when you and I are unkind. People notice when you and I say we're a Christian, but we don't give people a break. You and I notice when we're all about us and we don't help others. God rewards kindness. And when man sees kindness, it points him towards God. Being a kind person starts with loving others. It's absolutely 100% free, and you and I should practice it in our daily living. Let's take a look at gentleness today. Gentleness is also listed in Galatians as a fruit of the Spirit. And when you think about gentleness, many, many people think of timidity or weakness, but gentleness is far from timidity or weakness. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit that should definitely be directed towards our fellow man. There again, I, I kind of tongue-in-cheek in the introduction said, you know, we don't have to be gentle with God like he, we're going to rattle him or we're going to make him, you know, burst into tears because we didn't say, you know, good morning, Lord. God's not like that. God doesn't need our gentleness. He needs nothing from us. He's far above us. But there's many people that you rub shoulders with every day that need your gentleness. You never know what people are going through. And by the time you encounter them, they could have taken so many blows and so many disappointments that it's just a one act of unkindness pushes them over the edge. People are looking for gentleness. Without looking at the Greek for a definition of gentleness, let's just say gentleness is how we treat others, especially when we have an advantage over them. Do you want to see the true character of a person? Do you want to see if they're gentle? Look how they treat those who are underneath them. If they're the boss, if they're in charge, if they're the parent, if they somehow, somehow have authority, they're smarter, they're faster, they're strong, whatever. How do they treat those who they consider are beneath them? Are they rough with them or are they gentle? Gentleness is shown in our character when we are dealing with those who the world would call our subordinates. If you've ever seen bigger kids play with smaller kids on the playground, you understand the dynamic I'm talking about. Come on, we grew up in the jungle of the playground in, 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 in school, right? How many remembered out there? It was like Lord of the Flies. You're just running around. It's crazy out there. What did it do? The big kids, the stronger kids, the older kids would always abuse the smaller, weak, athletic kids. Push them down, steal the ball, bounce the kickball off their head. And even as a young kid, I would think, you know, these big kids abusing the little, I'm like, that, I was just like, that's bad character. Man, you just put a kickball imprint all over that kid's face. He's got, he's got to explain that to his mother. This younger generation probably doesn't know what that's like, right? How many old, you, older people, you got hit with that kickball? You can still hear it. Lou's raising his hand. Praise God. But growing up, you know, being in the culture that I'm from, Louis, the, the, my grandparents are always yelling at me with, with, with our little cousins and little brothers. We're throwing them. We're trying to drown them in the kiddie pool. Be gentle. Take it easy. I can still hear my grandfather. Take it easy. You're too rough. Anybody else? I don't know, maybe it's testosterone, but we're, we're not inherently gentle. But if you've seen the weaker, 
getting picked on by the stronger or the little ones getting picked on by the big ones. You understand the dynamic I'm talking about with gentleness. When you and I are bigger, faster, stronger, when we're in authority, when we're in charge, when, we don't, when they can't do anything for us and we're still gentle with them, that's the fruit of the spirit of gentleness. That's what the Father is looking for. Being gentle is us not demanding our pound of flesh when someone does us wrong. Being gentle is not being legalistic about, you wronged me and now I'm going to make you pay for it. No, who, we should be gentle with people when, when they do the wrong thing, when they say the wrong thing, when they insult us, when they overstep. We should extend grace. That's gentle. You ever see people, they can't let anything go. They can't let any slight go. Any, you say one thing, and it's like, you, we're going to argue, we're going to fight. That, that, that's the wrong spirit for a Christian to have. We need to be gentle. We need to extend grace. Who should we be gentle with? Husbands, you should be gentle with your wives. Oh, now it gets quiet. <laughs> it gets so quiet, I almost want to take a nap for a second there. Husbands should be gentle with their wives. Why? Because they're built differently than us. They're not some guy that you can horse around with and call. Guys are rough with each other. Anybody? Come on, don't try and look holy on me now. I'm coming down there. We are rough in the locker rooms, popping each other with towels, making jokes, calling each other names. You know, you can walk up to one of your buddies and go, hey, fathead, how you doing? And hey, hey, how you doing? You say that to a lady? Hey, what's going on, stupid? You having a good day? Right, guys, don't leave me out here hanging by myself. But our wives are not guys. You, we have to be gentle with our wives. I remember one time, you know, my wife is more emotional than, well, you know, we're emotional different. But I remember one time she was pregnant, and I was in the, I was in the kitchen, you know, doing something productive. I was spinning a loaf of bread around. Hey, welcome to Pastor Rick's house. You know, one of those loaves of bread that has a little thing that clips it. And I'm spinning around, and it slipped out of my fingers, and it shot across the kitchen and hit my pregnant wife in the face. And she, she didn't, like, yell at me or get out of here. She burst into tears. And I'll never forget that because I'm like, now, you know, I didn't know what to do, but I'll never forget the tenderness, the emotional, the, and, and she, she was pregnant, so, but feeling so bad. We got to remember they're built differently than us. So husbands, be gentle with your wives. Wives, be gentle with your husbands and reciprocate that. They just laugh. <laughs> you know... All right. I don't know. We're going to have an altar call for Jezebel in a minute. <laughs> Listen, your husband, he values your encouragement. If you're grouchy, if you're disrespectful to him, if you're constantly second-guessing him and arguing with him and questioning everything he does, you're breaking him as a man. I was just waiting to see if they were going to laugh again. Yeah, we're trying to break him. No, you're a helpmate. Come alongside. Partner with him, amen? Well, husbands and wives, be gentle with one another. Parents, be gentle with your children. 
Do you realize one word? Do you realize how powerful words are? Listen, there are things that people said to me when I was in like third and fourth grade. Teachers said things to me. I think even in kindergarten when we were in the Bronx, when a teacher made fun of me in front of the whole class, I still remember it. Do you realize you could say things to your children that will stick with them forever? Now, I know sometimes we, you know, we get aggravated, we get whatever, but if you say something to them, apologize. Say you're sorry. Say, Dad, Dad didn't mean that. Mom, Mom shouldn't have done that. But we've got to be careful. We've got to be gentle with our children. Some, some people treat other people's children better than they treat their own children. You know, oh, would you like some lemonade? Would you like something? Would you like to sit down? They, the, the, the company leaves, get in your room and clean it up. Ah! <laughs> believers, be gentle with other believers. We're the body of Christ. We're the family of God. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Don't hurt one another. Gossip about one another. Talk about each other. Tear each other down. Be gentle. Be gentle with the pastor. <laughs> we as saints, as believers, as Christians, should be gentle with the lost. Some people look, some people look down on the lost. Oh, look at that sin. Oh, ooh, oh, oh I, don't, I can't even be. You know, and, and who did that? The Pharisees did that. Oh, look what he eats with the sinners and the prostitutes and the tax collectors. Jesus rolled up his sleeves, jumped right in the muck and the mire with them, amen. Sat with the sinners, amen. The, the Pharisees, they didn't like it. They, ooh, they're all offended. Who do we want to be like, Jesus, or we want to be like the Pharisees? We got to be gentle with the lost. Yeah, they do stupid stuff. Yeah, they're immoral. Yeah, they're ridiculous. They're lost. We got to love them right into the arms of Jesus. So let's be gentle today, amen. God wants to work that in his people. When we're gentle to those who, you know, can't do anything for us or maybe that we have authority over, it pleases the Lord. When we're gentle to the poor and the needy and the weak and the lost, that's hard enough. But there's another group that God has called us to be gentle with. And, you know, they're harder to love. And I call that group the nasty you encounter nasty people every day? Some of you look shocked. Come on. Every day, they're, they're beeping at you. They're not cheering you on. They're mad at you. You, you know, they're, you're in their way. They're, they're nasty. They, they, they got to say something to you. They, they, they use language that shouldn't be used. We live in a nervy, narcissistic, me-first, condescending generation. And there's lots of road ragers out there that are always angry, ah, you know? And, it, and, you know, we think, well, you know, certainly I don't have to be gentle with them. You know, I need to put them in their place. I have no scripture for that. <laughs> but Jesus expressed it this way, and Paul expressed it in Galatians 6, when he says, brothers and sisters, even if a person is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you are not tempted. Yeah, they had a bad attitude. They, they did bad things. They sinned. But what? We don't judge them. We don't cut them off. We don't throw them out. We restore them in a what? A spirit of gentleness. You get that? 
people who are in sin, we go to them and we plead with them to repent. Why? So that they can be restored. And if we don't go in gentleness, it says, looking to yourself so that you are not tempted as well. Remember, when you point the finger at somebody, there's three fingers pointing back at you. Oh, you know, you did this and you did that, and you know, you're out, and you're out of the church, and you're excommunicated. Really? Where's the spirit of gentleness? Well, we never liked them in the first place. That's part of the problem. We're to be gentle, even with people who are nasty, even with people who are sinful. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 6, 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who are abusive to you. Wow. So our gentleness is not just meted out to those that we deem deserving of it, but we've also got to be gentle and loving and kind to the nasty because it's those people out there that are hurting and angry and mean that are sometimes a heartbeat away from coming into the kingdom of God. They just need someone to be gentle with them. They just need someone to be kind to them. They just need someone to show them love when they're incapable of showing it to start out with. These are the fruits of the Spirit. And if you listen to this list and you listen to what we covered, goodness and kindness and gentleness, it's not in us. It's not from within us. It's from God. And the Holy Spirit wants to work these things in us to be good and kind and gentle. It's pleasing to the Lord. It's beneficial to humanity. And it shows the light of Jesus in each of our lives. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that... You are teaching us what it is to be Christ-like because he was good and he was kind and he was gentle, even with sinners, even with those who uh, crucified him. He said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was kind and he was gentle. He extended grace and mercy to those caught in sin. He didn't condemn them. He said many times, who, who condemns you? Neither, you know, neither do I condemn you. Look at Jesus, how kind, how gentle, never demanding his pound of flesh, always extending grace. God, help us to reflect these fruits. Holy Spirit, work in us. And anything that is in us that resists these things being worked in us, that resists kindness and goodness and gentleness, God, we repent of it. Our pride, our stubbornness, our, our, our desire to get even and to be one up. Change our hearts, Lord. The world needs to see these fruits of the Spirit in your church so that we can be the light in the darkness. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Give him praise this morning.